Audible.com is a leading provider of audiobooks. Sign up today for a free 30-day trial at searchenginejournal.com forward slash audible and get your first book for free. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Search Engine Nerds. I am your host, Brent Satoris, and today I am joined by Joe Sinkwitz, CEO and co-founder of IntelliFluent. Hey, Joe, great to have you on the um, podcast. Really excited to talk to you a little bit, and uh, thanks for joining me. I'm happy to be here, Brent. Thanks for having me. So we were talking about what to talk about because obviously, you know, both of us have kind of dabbled in so many different areas of online marketing. But one of the ones that really intrigues me, one of the areas that really intrigues me and also you're really focused on right now is influencer marketing. Um, and, And in general... Influencer marketing is one of those phrases that has kind of grown into those very broad phrases. So I kind of want to be a little bit more specific, and I want to talk to you a little bit about influencer marketing when it applies to SEO and with SEO in mind. Um, So I kind of wanted to start out with asking you from a perspective of influencer marketing um, in SEO, what have you been working with? What are some of the strategies you've been playing with and having success with when it comes to influencer marketing? Sure. So there's actually quite a few things that I've been doing with, with our own network. And some of it was accidental. I did not expect things to evolve the way they did. Initially, when I got into influencer marketing, it was more for e-commerce reasons. I saw this big opportunity within e-commerce, social media, but then SEO kept coming back and creeping in its little head. It's, it's kind of crazy. There's a few things. One of the first things I've noticed is some people will use uh, networks like mine for social proof. So what I mean by this is they'll go, they'll get an Instagram model uh, to pose the product and take a picture. It doesn't even really matter to them at that point if they have sales. The whole point of this is to slather their new little site that's selling a product with some of that social proof that we used to use all the time back in the day, as seen in Forbes, as seen in Inc., etc. Sure, sure, sure. So, so now it's more on that personalized level. Then what they'll do is they'll go back and they'll look for influencers that just happen to have a blog. This is where that intersection really comes into SEO. Uh, what occurs when you're reaching out to a blogger for the purposes of influence. I don't know if it's quite the same conversion rates on cold pitches as to warm pitches. Everyone in our network is opted in, so it's a warm pitch. When you're reaching out to them and you're saying, hey, I, I love your expertise in fashion. Therefore, I'd love for you to cover my product on your blog. The success rate is significantly higher than if you just uh, pitch them directly outside of an influencer network and said, hey, uh, I have a fashion site. I want you to write about me. Here's how much I want to pay you. So what I'm seeing is it's almost like the evolution of the early days of TextLink ads. If we go way back when, you know, the, the immediacy and the ability to connect with the right parties changed the entire industry. I kind of see it happening again. I see that happening now with these, these influencers where they're saying, okay, um, I, you know, we have several thousand bloggers. If I'm hitting the right bloggers, I'm getting my links. And it's all organic material in terms of what they're writing. 
you know, we're not giving them pitches uh, in terms of here's here's an article. They're just they're doing their thing. So we do recommend full disclosure. So sometimes it's do follow, and sometimes it's not. But uh, that that's where that SEO play really comes into. Uh, well, and, and there has focus. been there has been a very big shift in general away from this kind of prescribed format of influencer marketing. So, so you know, for anybody who's listening, like what we're really talking about is going out and finding people who have an audience, who have an influence, who have some kind of sway in, in the discussion, and we're trying to get them to talk about a specific product or service or person in order to help kind of get influence within that network, right? Um, and in that, what I've actually noticed and has been kind of interesting is when you started out, it was very SEO background, right? So you would get the whole like, hey, can I give you $100 to say this? Can I get you to do this? And of course, that was where the FCC and a lot of other people kind of jumped in and didn't really like that, obviously, because people would recommend stuff they didn't even like. But now I've seen a lot of focus on, you know, here's my product, say what you will, like I don't, I not trying to influence with money or or pressure to get them to say something positive or negative, and really betting on the fact that most people don't say stuff negative unless they're really negative, right? Most of the time, if they like it, they'll talk good about it. If they don't like it, they just don't talk about it at all. Absolutely. I mean, so the reality is when you are, it's a two sided uh, transaction here you're essentially doing a favor for some people, especially if they're not making their living on their blog, they like getting free stuff. So if, if they're given a product, yes, the, the overwhelming response tends to be positive. Uh, and by allowing them to write it in their own voice, it resonates significantly more with their audience. So a lot of our early uh, days within influencer marketing had to do with finding the right people. It wasn't even so much about, you know, the outreach aspect or, you know, the, the close ratio and funnels, which we've been in marketing for a long time. We, we go through all that process. Instead, it was more about who is the right person to type, to reach out to. Is this the right medium? Are, are we looking for the right influencer type? Cause you know, there's multiple types. You know, I'm not going to go to, to Kim Kardashian to, to sell my brand of wallets. It's just, it's overkill. It doesn't make any sense. She's, you know, the, the wrong gender for that potentially. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily care so much about selling it to the the right influencer on LinkedIn if, if that audience is not going to be commercially focused. So a lot of what we're doing is we're trying to figure out the right medium, the right type of person, the right industry, and also, you know, are we a fit for what their audience generally is? If you can get over those hurdles the the ROI is pretty ridiculous and i think this is why we're we're also seeing so many new brands pop up that are online only they don't care about having shelf space in sephora they they just want to sell their stuff online and they're doing a great job so we're talking about a, a pretty um clear, understandable type of influencer marketing. And this is outreach, right? We're essentially reaching out. So can you walk through, again, just trying to place this into a listener's mindset. Okay, I definitely want to do this. What it would be kind of a general level uh, approach to conducting this for a company? I mean, obviously, you start with research and so forth. Can you walk through like some of the 
high-level key points, uh, maybe a tip or two along the way of how people could conduct this on a, you know, obviously anybody doing this for themselves is pretty much doing it on a small scale. Um, and so how could somebody do that on a small scale and actually see the results of it? Certainly. I, I did write a pretty detailed guide. I'll give you a link so you can have that if you need it. But what we generally do is we start out by doing those, uh, those series of questions that we just kind of talked about. We say, okay, what is my product? Am I selling a product or a service? Is it something that's high dollar, low dollar? Is it something uh, where the buyer is a uh, uh, high-level executive? Is it, is it a, a general consumer? We go through all those types of questions. We're trying to build out that buyer persona. And it's nothing really new. You know, the, the concept of targeting buyer personas has been around for a while. But once we have an understanding of who the buyer persona is, sometimes based on existing sales data, sometimes based on, let's say, looking at Twitter for your main competitor, looking to see who's following them on Twitter, pulling down that information and sifting through who might be a partner, who might be an employee, who might be a buyer, and, and it's starting to compile this data. Once you have a little bit of data, you can then extrapolate out and say, this is whom I think this buyer is. Now, where do they spend time online? Is, is this product something that's going to sell on Instagram and the buyer is all over Instagram? Well, that, that helps us to define the channel. From there, we can start figuring out, okay, well, who influences this buyer? There's, there's so a variety of you know social analytics out there, but you can be a little bit... Uh, a little bit more manual with it, you can start looking to see, okay, well, who do these little buyers that you've sort of modeled follow on Twitter? Who are they connected to on LinkedIn? And by getting that data, you can extrapolate out a fairly good campaign just based on nothing. I did this on stage back in November at Ungacked, and it was for a like a blinds company that was somewhere in Texas and walked through just how easy it is to develop out a full marketing campaign with with very little data and run it through an influencer marketing. So once you have once you have a list of people, is it just the same concept as link building where you're basically going and saying, "Hey, I have this product. I think it's interesting to you and your readers. Would you like me to send like what's what have you seen like as far as the next step in that process being effective uh, communication?" Sure. The the carryover from the link building days is good pitches over bad pitches. And so we try to streamline that ourselves where we try to say, okay, be very upfront with the value that you're trying to convey. I'm trying to provide you with cash or cash and product or just product in exchange for some, uh, some degree of uh, something provided back to me, in which case it might be a review, it might be a share, it might be a tweet. Just by keeping something short and sweet on an initial pitch, saying, is this something you'd be interested in? Uh, maybe even providing a few examples of, it looks like you've done this before. I love your work. Let's let's do it again if you're up for it. It, it has a pretty high success rate because you're not really reaching out to uh, strangers that have never done this sort of thing. I mean, I'm, a, I'm making the assumption here that you're, you're targeting the right people initially for an early campaign that are not new to the concept of doing reviews, that you were going to have uh, just a better success rate. 
How do you know whether or not it's somebody that you can just approach and say, hey, I have a product I want to send you versus somebody that says that you need to say, I have a product and I'm willing to pay. Like that's where I start getting into a little confusion, even as an experienced marketer, is that sometimes it's hard to read whether or not you need to offer something or if that's going to piss them off or if it's <laughs> going to cloud the situation. Is there, is it all just kind of a guessing game or do you have any, like, do you look through some previous Posts to see if they've written sponsored posts or not? Do you look at any kind of disclosures and see if they've done paid in the past? Like, how do you kind of, how do you personally kind of gauge when to discuss money and when not to? Sure. Personally, I wrote a system for it. So <laughs> I get, there's, there's two methods, right? There's, there's the cold outreach and there's that warm side. On cold outreach, absolutely, you're going to be having to dig through. Uh, the various posts, they're going to have to be making that inference of, I think this person might be uh, willing and able to accept this. Uh, on a warm system such as IntelliFluence, it's a little bit different where we allow you to filter down based on some of that wants product, some of that wants cash, some of that wants cash and product, as well as what their expected pitch value is. Some people, you know, don't bother me unless it's over $1,000 of value. Some people, hey, I'm just happy to get free stuff. So there's that wide range, and then you can start to, to play with filters to find your sweet spot. Uh, there are a lot of warm networks out there that are opt-in, and they help to eliminate that legwork of labor. And that's why I think there's so many of them. There's are growing really fast as an industry. The, the manual side, you could go through a Ninja Outreach or a Pitchbox and go through the motion. And you'll have some success. It just there's a lot more things that you have to think about as you're bringing up in and terms so, of yes. Sorry, sorry to to cut in from your product standpoint, and, and I typically don't mind jumping in and talking a little bit about it. Uh, you know your personal product, but uh, your company. Um, how is it that you guys are acquiring that? What are you guys doing on a regular basis to fill that inventory of people, or is it actually an inventory rather than just a a, a I don't know, a smart search or a smart database. So our database is of people that have signed up with us. So they, they have physically gone and created a profile. And as part of the profile creation process, they provide us with, hey, uh, this is what your options are. Do you want to be paid cash? Do you want product? Uh, what do you want to set as your filters? What industry are you interested in? Are you a consumer electronics guy? If you are, you're you're maybe not interested in fashion. It's possible that you could be, but you know we try to limit. We try to bucket people a little bit, even though humans are complex. We do recognize that marketers prefer that humans not be complex. Uh, so we try to filter things in, in such a way that makes it very easy for them to connect with the right brands, but also for brands to do their outreach. And, and so do you actually see people who sign up in these, these, these databases in your system that don't want money, that just want product? Yep. It's, it's for weird reasons sometimes. Uh, some of it's psychological. Some people that join might say, I'm, I'm a micro-influencer. I'm probably not worth the money, so I'm, I, I'm just happy to be here. And a lot of those, they started out maybe just being an Amazon reviewer where they're an overseas reviewer and they didn't have a lot going on, they're very happy to get the product. And over time, we see them graduating up a little bit where uh, I try to tell people, if you're unsure where to start, 
start with the lowest filter possible. Start with, hey, I'll take product or cash, very low value, just to see what level of busyness do you get. Do you get overwhelmed to the point where you say, I, I don't want to see the another electronic razor for the rest of my life. I want to see stuff that's only over $100 and maybe I only want to get cash instead of just product. So we'll, we'll see people shift up and down as they evolve their own audiences. Some people that get really hot really fast have gone from, say, uh, accepting like a $100 level to over, over $1,000 a level. And that's because they did all that extra work on their own for building up their personal audiences that just happened to get reflected then into our marketplace. But it's been weird to to conceive of where I think things are going to go and then to actually watch the data and see, wow, there are some ridiculous arbitrage opportunities for anyone that's targeting Brazil. Because for whatever reason, there's there's some really large audience members that are in Brazil and they have extremely low uh, value filters. So sure. I'm seeing these sort of things as it happens. And granted, I don't speak Portuguese, so I'm a little bit out of luck there. But it, I think that as our network grows and as other people's networks grow like this, they'll see these strange patterns over time. Uh, not really sure where I'm going with that, other than to say <laughs> it's like, this this is evolving extremely fast. So what as as somebody who might be on the flip side of this, let's say somebody's listening and they're like, "Hey, I've got a couple accounts. I could be an influencer. I have a blog. What do you really need?" Like look, anybody can sign up in your system, I know, or or anybody can sign up in a system, right? But what do you realistically need to attract somebody to be interested in you as an influencer? I think fit is far more important than audience size. So if you have a niche, I, I really recommend that people become the best they possibly can in their micro niche. So whether it's becoming like the fastest to break news on a subject, or it's becoming just, you know, the most in-depth on a subject, or it might just be the most connected person in that specific little network of people. So just by focusing on one of those three things, they can be found and they will be found. But beyond that, I mean, some people still look for just that raw audience size. Yeah, growing your audience helps everything. When it's, you say it's one of those rising tides, when you say uh, audience size, do you have a sense for what people consider today to be large? It really varies by the brand. So some will come in and say, "Oh, you need to have at least twenty thousand followers." And I say, "Okay, I think we got about twenty thousand that have twenty thousand followers or more." Uh, some will come in and say, "If it doesn't, uh, if the person doesn't have over." Uh, 2 million followers, I'm not interested. Well, it, that skews it down quite a bit. We, gotcha. we have some, but we don't have that many. So it, it really depends upon the person's preconceived notions coming in. For instance, I, I consider uh, the pure uh, influencer level to be under, say, 50,000. For some, micro-influencers don't even start until 50,000. So we all have different mindsets of where we think things are. I accept anyone. I think anyone technically can be an influencer, and they should at least understand how that that whole market works, uh, it, if even just to help them on the brand side. Sure. And so, so that's 
from a perspective of like a direct outreach, right? You're reaching out and you're asking somebody to either take money or to take a product without any. I mean, I, there's a couple, um, you know, I mean, there's obviously a couple networks out there that do this and without, you know, getting into the names of every network. Um, one, some of them do the whole concept of like they offer the product without any like requirement whatsoever for a positive review, which I think is really uh, interesting. Um, what outside of direct connection um, do you see working? I mean, can you do like, is there a partnership or contests that tend to work well? Is there some angle that really works outside of just straight up asking them to review your product? Absolutely. And some of it, I think, is amplification efforts. So uh, going back to SEO, it, sometimes it was great to have that, you know, that blog. But then to go and slap it in the native ad networks and to juice that traffic volume coming in, similar concepts where you might have one niche reviewer uh, create the blog post. You might have a different one with a really big Twitter audience shared on Twitter. You might have different ones shared on Facebook. You might have it all loop around where then you take uh, snapshots of the picture and put it on Instagram, have an Instagram pod, which is essentially a group of influencers that all share each other's stuff. That's kind of a dirty little thing on Instagram that happens every day. Um, they'll share all their own little reviews about that one product. And then before you know it, you have, you have a brand. I think I, it's, it's getting to the point where I think it's feasible for an individual to come up with a new product concept, uh, go to a place like Shenzhen and get five different product concepts created get uh you know batches of a hundred of these put it in the hands of 20 bloggers you know different ones put it in the hands of you know 20 instagrammers 20 uh, facebookers twitters and you'll be able to get enough feedback on the product and you'll be able to see the shareability of uh, uh different product specs that you could zero in on here's the product that's going to scale extremely well and we know it's going to sell well on social uh it I can't imagine doing that 20 years ago, even when we, you know, got started in search. But we're certainly able to do it now. So it's it's kind of nuts. When you talk about like Instagram pods, there's always been groups of people who try to kind of market. There's been Facebook private groups. There was, you know, back in the day we used to use like Google group. You know, obviously there's, you know, even IM is just straight IM groups and Skype groups and stuff. Um, do you feel like the real influencers are in any of these pods? I mean, what is the value oh, yeah. from somebody? And, and how do you find like a good pod? Like, I mean, obviously this is not, well, we, we would say, even though this is nothing close to what me and you consider to be gray hat we would say for most people this is a gray hat area right um it's technically not probably the way that these sites really want you to utilize their sites but it happens all the time it even happens off the sites in real pr i mean essentially that's what pr is right is a, is a rolodex of connections who owe you favors so in that sense how would somebody safely go about kind of getting into some of these uh pods and and how do you identify ones that have real influencers Absolutely. That's a good question. So it's exactly the same as what you might have done back in the SEO days where you get their attention first. Uh, Instagram, I'll, I'll just focus on this because it's such a fast growing network. There are pure celebrities, you know, people that were famous before they were social. And then there's people that are famous because of social. Those that are famous because of social almost always are in a pod. And the way that you can sort of tell their work is you just, you go through their feed 
and you see what they're uh, they're sharing that was not necessarily their initial review, and then you find their connections. Meaning, it's not even it would not take a very sophisticated algo to figure this sort of out and you know and disregard it. But the reason they're doing it has to do with when a, when a post initially goes live on say, Instagram, and it's somewhat true for other uh, other networks, you're only reaching a certain uh, percentage of your overall audience, and you need that that post to get a big kick in engagement. Uh, a lot like your your, your Reddit days, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, if, if you start seeing all those upvotes really fast, uh, the likelihood of it popping was significantly higher. Same concept. So that that's what the pods are doing. But but if you're able to start like interjecting yourself into their pod, and then uh, just in terms of sharing their stuff, commenting intelligently on their stuff. Like going back to the old uh, blog network days, if you were leaving smart comments on on other people's blog posts and you know uh, pointing out connect corrections for them, letting them know other research. I think we kind of uh, we had a little bit of technical difficulties there, but I think that was kind of the end of your point, and uh, we've actually kind of run to the end of our time. But I did want to ask you, you know, uh, this has been a really interesting conversation, um, and you obviously are writing about this, have you know a company that's based in this. So where can people find you and your company online? Where can they continue to kind of learn more about this from you? Sure thing, Brent. Uh, I can be found at IntelliFluence.com. I'm also pretty active on Twitter as Cygnus SEO. I'll go ahead and give you links to those. But uh, we we do blog fairly regularly on the company site, and I share a lot of my views on Twitter. Awesome. Thank you again, Joe, for joining the show. I definitely want to follow up with you uh, and talk some more about this, uh, you know, maybe in the future. So maybe we'll do a part two because I think there's a lot more to be said about this. But uh, thank you for joining today and sharing the information and look forward to uh, chatting with you in Munich. Thank you, sir.